Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's football commercial season. Become a USA Today Ad Meter panelist and watch and rate the big game commercials. You'll be entered to win a trip to the big game in 2022 just for registering. Sign up now and see official rules at admeter.usatoday.com. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Buckswire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Buckswire editor, Luke Easterling. All right, welcome everyone to a Super Bowl 55 edition of the Bucks Wire podcast. I'm Ryan O'Leary coming at you from my laundry room, as I have every week this season along with Luke Easterling. And Luke, where are you at emotionally right now, my man? You have to be balancing the fandom of the team you grew up rooting and pulling for, right? With your job as the managing editor of the Bucks Wire. I mean, this has to be like the best week ever, but it's also a very big work week for you. Where are you at right now? You ready? I mean, it's we're recording this one on a Tuesday evening. It's almost six o'clock and I'm still drinking coffee. So I, <laughs> I feel like that says something about me. Um, <laughs> yes. But honestly, I think I think one of the key factors in how I'm able to approach this right now and, and balance those two things, like you said, is that we're all doing this from home. So I get to, you know, press publish on an article and I get to to, to be the, you know, the writer and, and look at things in that way. And then I can immediately switch gears and be like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing. This is so fun. This is why this is enjoyable. I'm, at the same time I'm writing an article, I'm getting, you know, pinged in Facebook chat with my older brother running his Bucks flag up the flagpole at his house in Seattle, you know, and talking about, you know, being teenagers and playing catch in, uh, during the, the parade, you know, it, it, down here in Tampa in 2003 when they won the first time. And, and obviously, you know, anybody who listens to this podcast knows I grew up in this area you know, was the kid that got made fun of for sticking with the Bucks while everybody else was jumping from the 49ers to the Cowboys, to the Steelers, to the Broncos, to the Packers, to the Patriots. You know, you, you don't you don't just uh, stick with this team and, and through the bad to, to not enjoy the good. So that to, to be able to, again, just kind of have the best of both worlds. And again, I'm, I'm just so grateful that I can, you know, do what I love and cover this team and, and write about the sport of football. And somebody pays me to do it. Um, that's just amazing. And on the other side, to, as a fan of this team for such a long time, to be able to, to still be writing about actually games that are still happening in February. And, and again, you know me, I'm a draft guy, man. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing both of those hats. And normally sure. I'm full on in, in draft, you know, senior bowl just got done. We're talking about combine stuff and I'm still over here covering games that are happening. I'm like, I like, this is a great problem to have. I'll soak it up. But man, I, it's a great week to be working. I love being able to, you know, 
be talking to you know the the best athletes in the world and, and the people that are on top of this sport um, on a weekly basis, a daily basis, and, and, and preparing for this game. And it's also just fun to be a fan of this team as I have for my entire life and, and to be able to soak up the fact that, that they're on the biggest stage. It's so much fun in every way. So much fun. And now we get to see, are, are the Bucks going to draft number 32? That's what we're hoping for, Luke, here on the Bucks. Oh, Wire trust me, man. Head. Nope. I already have a new mock draft out this week. And one of the first things that somebody said was like, oh, so you got the Bucks at 31 there. Uh, <laughs> that's because they're the lower seed. Don't yeah. look at me. You I'm gotta, not making any predictions here. They're, they're the underdogs. They're the underdogs, rightfully so. You know, you're going, going up against the defending champs in the Chiefs. And we're going to break this thing down. And and we'll, we'll get to the spreads as well. We'll have some sports betting advice for all those betters out there. And there's big money, Luke, that gets dropped on the Super Bowl. It's probably the biggest betting night of the year. And uh, we'll have some advice coming up from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire later in the show. I kind of want to start there a little bit, Luke. I, I want to talk about potential X factors in this game if the Bucks do pull it out that aren't named Tom Brady. And I, and I think if there's an MVP for the Bucks, if they win this ball game and Brady's not the MVP, I think there's a great chance it could come on the defensive side. Really, the Bucks' defense has been carrying the team throughout the entire postseason, I think, especially that second half against Green Bay. I mean, if it wasn't for the Bucks' defense making those stops after the Brady interceptions, we might not be talking today. And I think there's a chance if it's not Brady and the Bucks win, it could come on the defensive side. And I, I was just looking at the list on my, on my app, Luke, looking at the, the MVP odds. I'm looking at Sean Murphy bunting. Now, this is a guy who's quietly had an interception in all three postseason games for the Bucks. He's been targeted... 21 you know times. Who the last guy to do that was? Who's that? Ed Reed. Ed, okay, well, that's a good company right there. Ed Reed, <laughs> the Super Bowl champion right there. So he's been targeted 21 times in the postseason. He's only allowed 14 receptions for 128 yards and a touchdown. The opponent passer rating because of his three picks, 59.3. And he's going up against Hall of Fame guys, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and Taylor Heineke, uh, Luke. So, I mean, these are these are big-name passers. I mean, I, I got to joke about Heineke, but um, Brees and Rodgers, are you kidding me? I mean, great performances by Murphy Bunting. And I'm looking on my app. He's plus 20,000, Luke, to win MVP in this game. And I'm just like, you sprinkle five bucks on Sean Murphy Bunting to win MVP, maybe get a couple picks, maybe a pick six that helps the Bucks win the game. A $5 bet wins you a grand. What do you think about that, Bucks fans? How about you, Luke? That's a nice little chunk of change for a $5 bet. I tell you what, I, I love that bet, first of all. And like you said, Murphy Bunting's been playing well, not just against quarterbacks, but look at the receivers they've gone up against. Devontae yeah, Adams, yeah. Michael Thomas. I mean, they, they've had the talent, and he just keeps making plays. I think where I love, you know, why I love where you're going with this, you know, dark horse MVP conversation is if if you take this back to 2002, 2003, going into that Super Bowl, yes, you had the Bucks defense that, again, this this unit will have to earn its title and earn its keep, but that Bucks defense for 2002, 2003 was one of the best in NFL history, in my opinion. Scored, I think, nine touchdowns on defense that year, including the playoffs. Uh, defensive player of the year, Derek Brooks. I mean, just a legendary defense they have with Warren Sapp. Should have four Hall of Famers, in my opinion, before it's over, if not five. Simeon Rice doesn't get enough love, in my opinion. Um, but go back to that defense that going into that game was the number one defense in the league. The Raiders were the number one offense. Rich Gannon was the NFL MVP, and that was the number one offense in the NFL. The Bucks defense scored more points than they did. 
<laughs> yes, the Bucks defense outscored the number one offense in the league because they picked off Rich Gannon five times and returned three of them for touchdowns. Well, Luke, not to now, cut you off, reason, but the Raiders will tell you that's because John Gruden knew all their plays. So that's of course what the Raiders it is. Will tell and you, guess what? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Sorry, Tim Brown. I just don't care, man. Uh, you know, but go back. And, and the only reason Dwight Smith didn't win MVP was because both of his, he had two pick sixes in that game, but they came, you know, late in the game when the game was kind of out of hand already. D- you know, Dexter Jackson won MVP of that game, and that's because he had two interceptions in the first half that really set the tone for that defense. And, and you knew right away that this was going to be a long night for for the the best offense in the league. I mean, like I said, if you're going to make the comparison that the Chiefs are so explosive, they're so talented, uh, obviously I think that they have a lot more going on in terms of athleticism than that offense did in, in uh, I guess, Oakland at the time. But that was the best the best the league had to offer in terms of offense. And they went in and made it to a Bucks defense that made them, like, just embarrassed them. And they let them know real quick what kind of day it was going to be by the way Dexter Jackson was able to make a couple of big plays early in that game and set the tone to the point where, you know, two interceptions in the first half won him the MVP. It wasn't even anything that happened in the second half. Like I said, it was 34-3 to Tampa Bay at one point in that Super Bowl. <laughs> Obviously, I don't I don't think that's going to happen this time. I forgot how much of a blowout that was, to be honest. It was ridiculous, man. The, the final score was 48-21, so it looked a lot closer than it was. I think the, the Raiders scored a couple of touchdowns in a row and got it to 34-21, and we're like, okay, maybe we'll have a game here. And again, literally two more pick sixes from the Bucks in the second half that put that one away. But... That's, you know, to your point about Murphy Bunting, to get it back on track here, is that that's the kind of impact a defender can have and, and be a dark horse MVP candidate is when you neutralize the guys that are supposed to win that award. If it's not a quarterback, it's usually the guy that stops that quarterback from making plays. Go back to a guy like Von Miller. Every time there's been a defensive player MVP, I think it was, what was it, Malcolm Smith for, uh, for Seattle when they won the Super Bowl? You know, guys that can take over a game and make big plays either early in the game to set the tone or late in the game to change the outcome, that's how a a guy like that can win the MVP. And and I like your pick for Murphy Bunting. If I had to make a dark horse pick, especially on on the defensive side of the ball, maybe a little less of a dark horse, I guess I'll give you one that, that, that might be more likely and one that's less likely, but... Go back to that Chiefs game in Week 12. The, the the play that changed that game was a strip sack in the in the third quarter, I believe, by or maybe it was late in the second. I would think it was maybe right before the half. The Chiefs were about to go in and score again. It was going to be 24 to seven, and sa- you know Shaq Barrett came in had a had a, sa- a strip sack that that turned the ball over and really changed the, the whole nature of that game. The Chiefs really didn't do a whole lot offensively after that. The Bucks ate against Aaron Rodgers two weeks ago be against offensive tackles that were either banged up or shouldn't have been starting, right? They, they had five sacks. They all came from JPP, yep. Jason Pierre-Paul, and, and Shaq Barrett. No doubt. This game. his grill all day. Right. All day. Going into this game, man, the Chiefs are down both of their starting tackles. So you're going to have, I mentioned Von Miller earlier, one of the starting tackles is going to be Mike Remmers, who was the offensive tackle for Carolina that absolutely got beat by Von Miller in that Super Bowl against Carolina. Guy gave up the big strip sack you know, that led to a touchdown. You know, obviously, he's been asked about that all all week. That's this a great week. little tidbit. Yeah, it's a great note. It is, that you know, and obviously guy. he'll have a chip on his shoulder about that. But man, if I had to pick a defensive MVP, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, those two guys with that matchup, and the fact that the Bucks are going to have to get that kind of pressure with the front four, 
And I think if maybe there was a darker horse, I like Antoine Winfield Jr. If he's going to be that that piece that they try to move around a lot like the Chiefs are going to probably try to do with Tyron Matthew. The versatility, the athleticism, the playmaking ability, he, they play him, they move him all around. They move him down in the box. They play him at the line of scrimmage. They'll blitz him. If he's able to play in this game, again, miss the Packers game with that ankle injury. But he's the kind of guy that I think you could put on a Travis Kelsey, and maybe he makes a difference there. I do think they'll spend a lot of time double-teaming him and Tyreek Hill. But I think Antoine Winfield's another dark horse guy that is a, a playmaking type of defensive back who could come up with those kind of Dexter Jackson plays that could turn a game. No, I, I like that. I like like a safety or a guy like Murphy Bunting who we've seen in that nickel corner role who could be up on Kelsey and, and have that matchup. Taking away their best players, and if you could shut down a Travis Kelsey, yes, that's what we're talking about. That's how the Bucks win this game because nobody can stop Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, Luca, for just being honest, right? The Bucs didn't do a good job of that in the first meeting. I know they got better as the game went on, but Tyreek Hill had, what, like 200 yards receiving and two touchdowns in the first quarter? Uh, Todd Bowles came out with a game plan to leave Carlton Davis, the poor guy, one-on-one with Tyreek Hill, kind of on an island. That didn't work out so well. And we, we've seen this all season long. Like, the Chiefs kind of go out there, and they're, they're not perfect. They don't, like, dominate situationally. They just have great players. And look at the Bills. The Bills are up 9 nothing in that AFC Championship game, right? But then what, what? they can't stop Kelsey. They can't stop Tyreek Hill. And the Chiefs get rolling, and they score 21 straight points, and then forget it. Like, the game's basically out of reach all of a sudden. And this is what the Chiefs do to you. So when I'm looking at the defensive game plan, I just kind of hope that Bowles and company kind of held their cards in that first matchup, Luke, and they got something better. They got something better up their sleeve. You've got to find – I know you're not going to take them away completely, but you cannot let Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey just go out there and kick your ass up and down the field. And we've seen them do that to every team all season long, including the Bucks in Week 12. And that just can't happen in the Super Bowl. And I got to believe the Bucks they're playing so well on that side of the football. I got to believe they're going to come up with a better plan against those guys. And, and that's what I'm going to be watching for. Yeah, and again, this is something, I, you know, this is Tuesday. We're recording this. I spoke to Sean Murphy Bunting today during the media availability about how the Bucks defense can bottle what they did in those last three quarters and and translate that into the Super Bowl, right, and try to play like that team for four quarters instead of playing like the team that we saw in the first quarter of that game. Uh, and that's what it, it came down to for him. Obviously, he's not going to give anything away schematically, but, you know, he just stressed the importance of starting fast. You can't, you know, obviously you're going to have to make certain adjustments on the way, you know, along uh, and every game is different, but – you know, you've got to go in with a, a, a plan, and, and he credited the, the, the Chiefs scheme basically just beating theirs, and they didn't make enough plays and didn't start fast enough. They made the adjustments, but it was too late at that point. And I think the way they have to approach this, like you said, is you're going to have to double Kelsey, double Tyreek Hill, and, and guess what? If Sammy Watkins beats you to win the Super Bowl, you know what? So be it. Agreed. If me, if Nicole Hardman on an end around beats you for the Super Bowl, you know what? Oh, well, but we're not giving up 202 tutties to Tyreek Hill again. We're <laughs> no. not giving up 10 catches for 180 yards to, to, to Travis Kelsey again. Those two guys cannot beat us. You're going to have to beat us with somebody else in some other different way than we allowed you to beat us the first time. That's what it's got to be. Uh, and again, I, not that you can live with losing, but you can't live with it if you if you if you allow the obvious, right? And I think what the Chiefs do so well on offense is they don't overcomplicate their scheme, and they 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 play to players over plays so often. Uh, and obviously, they've had certain situations where their scheme has done them 
you know, great favors, but they don't, they don't overcomplicate it, man. They, and Mahomes is just great at doing that anyway. He simplifies things for himself before the snap. I was just watching a great video where Kurt Warner was breaking down, you know, how Mahomes processes information pre-snap and post-snap so quickly and, and just makes things as easy for himself as possible because he's so smart and because he understands how to use his physical tools to make life easier for himself. He, he just, he manipulates defenses so well. So what you have to do is just try to counter that by making things as difficult for him as possible. And that's a lot easier to do when you're literally saying, I'm going to put two guys on Tyreek Hill. I'm going to put two guys on Travis Kelsey. And you're going to have to hope that Sammy Watkins or Miko Hardman or somebody else beats you. And I think one underrated aspect that, that we haven't really brought up in this matchup, we talk about what's the same from week 12 to now, what's different between now and then. There's a giant six foot five, 350 pound difference Vita Vea, in baby. this Tampa Bay defense this time. And that's Vita Vea, which means I don't think the, the, the Chiefs are going to be able to run the ball very much in this game. They didn't really do it very much. Uh, in week 12, didn't really have to after that first quarter. But I, I think that this is going to have to turn into a shootout if the Chiefs want to win. Uh, and if you're able to, again, just devote whatever you have to to stopping those two playmakers and forcing Mahomes to, to get the ball to somebody else to win, if you have to do that and you're down your two starting tackles, you've got one of the best defensive fronts, the best sack tandems in the NFL – two of the maybe the best inside linebackers in the league and Devin White and Levante David, there is so much talent on that defense that if you if you make Patrick Mahomes just sit in the pocket just an extra half a second, if you take away that first and second look and make him go to that third and fourth read, if you're shutting down to the run to the point where they're always in second and third and longs, that's the kind of recipe where you can start to build some momentum and get some pressure and, and, knock, and knock him off his spot. If you go back and look at those last three quarters, they were able to get consistent pressure on him because he had to hold the ball longer because he just couldn't keep going to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey over and over. They weren't wide open every single play, whether it was zone or man. If it was zone, Kelsey was finding a spot. If it was man, it was Tyreek Hill built, beating somebody one-on-one. So that's got to be, be the approach, man. It's got to be – we're going to lock these two guys out. We're going to devote everything we can to stopping him. We we trust our defensive line to get home against this offensive line because they're banged up. We got Vita back in there, which, again, we talk about him being a run stuffer. He's an incredible pass rusher. And, and yeah, he just pushes those any, guys right into the talk quarterback's to any face. quarterback, awesome. man. I, I, did not, I did not play quarterback at a very high level, but any quarterback who ever played the game will tell you, I'll take edge pressure over interior pressure all day long. I, I It's way more – now, I, it's way easier for me to avoid and deal with a guy coming off the edge, even on either side, than it is to not have any pocket presence, any anywhere to step up into when you've got a big, huge guy like that taking on double teams and basically dumping your own blockers into your lap while you're trying to deliver the ball. That's way, way more of a problem than edge pressure for, for most quarterbacks. So he, I, I think Vita Vea could have a huge impact on this game, and that defensive line is going to have to get after Mahomes. And again, I think you make that a lot easier when you double Kelsey, you double Hill, and you make him hold that ball just a little longer. It, it sounds so simplified. It sounds so simple. Yeah, right. for, yeah. for Easier said than done. Good right. luck for, with that. For a Kansas City offense that's so freaking good with, with Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, like they're awesome. It's so complicated, their system. But it seems so simple, right? It's Kelsey, it's Tyreek Hill, and it's Mahomes scrambling on third downs to pick up cheap firsts, right? That's, that's kind of the game. If you can take away those three things – or at least limit those three things. You got a chance. So, yeah, the, the Bucks have to be better on defense, Luke, and I, I got to believe they will be. And on the offensive side of the ball, 
uh, well, you know, besides the Bucks having Tom Brady, I kind of feel good about this. Now, Brady did pass for 345 yards and in three touchdowns, a couple picks in that first meeting against the Chiefs. I mean, Brady's seen a lot of Kansas City. He's gone head-to-head with Mahomes in the past as well with, when he was with a, a member of the Patriots. And they, they went head-to-head in, the, in Brady's latest Super Bowl run with the Pats. They beat Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead Stadium. Great game. Believe me, I was screaming and jumping up and down in my living room, Luke, when that happened. Uh, you know, but Brady knows as well as anyone. You cannot be conservative. You've got to be aggressive, almost to a fault, against this team. And I, this is why I kind of like the Bucks in this game a little bit. I'm leaning Bucks. I'm, I know you're, people are going to be shocked that I'm leaning Bucks in this game. But I feel like they have the mindset, Luke. They're going to go out there and they're going to be aggressive. That's kind of the whole thing with Bruce Arians, right? He's not going to go in there and be conservative. He's not going to kick a 23-yard field goal. He's going to go for it on fourth down when he's in plus territory and it makes sense. You know, it's not fourth and 18 or something. And I think that's what you got to do to beat this team because you cannot go in there and think that even if your defense is playing balls out, you can't expect 21, 24 points is going to win this game. It's just That's just... You're going to lose if you go in there with that mentality. You've got to be aggressive. You have to keep the Chiefs on their heels as much as possible by going at them and trying to score and put up points at all costs because, as I said, and as you know, the Chiefs can score points in the snap of a finger. They'll put up two or three touchdowns on you right away. Just ask the Bills, who are up 9 nothing, and all of a sudden the Chiefs scored on three straight drives. It didn't take long for that 9 nothing lead to go away. And I, I just like it. I, I've heard this, and it's like the Chiefs are kind of like an NBA team. They're like the Lakers. Once they get on a run, forget it. you got to keep them on their heels. So I like the Bucks because of that aggressive thing, the no-risk-it-no-biscuit. It's kind of corny, and people make fun of the Bucks, Luke, because of that thing, right? And they make fun of Bruce Arians. But I think that mindset could be the key in this game. That's how the Bucks have to play. I think that's how they're going to they're gonna play it. Yeah, and, and this is something we broke down last week, right? We talked about the, the mentality and the difference between the way Bruce Arians approaches everything no doubt, and the way Matt LaFleur approached the key moments of that game yep. against the Packers were the difference in that game. Obviously, the players have to play and they have to execute, but the players feed off of that energy, right? And, and you could see it in Aaron Rodgers after that game. He felt the weight of that conservative pack-it-in approach when you're playing not to lose, even though you haven't led all game, which still bothers, like this baffles my mind, by the way. But, you know, the Bucks are going to play that way because that's what's gotten them to this point. You can't argue with the results. You can make fun of the cliche and the phrase all you want to, but sure. it works, man. They're win- they're, they've won seven games in a row. Again, franchise record, three, on the, three road playoff wins. They took down Drew Brees and the Saints on the road. They took down Aaron Rodgers in January at Lambeau Field. I mean, he's going to be the MVP. So, you know, why stop now? And again, like you said, they, you know, they're not stupid. They're going to look at that Bills film and see the field goals that they kicked and see the, the, the moments in which they were just too conservative. And there may be moments in this game where in a normal game against a normal team, you'd be like, hey, kick a field goal here because it'll make it you know, a, a seven-point game instead of a, a, getting no points, instead of making it a two-score lead if you go for it and, and end up getting a touchdown. That's the kind of stuff that's going to have to work. And again, it, overall, the way the offensive approach, we've – this is kind of a bigger picture thing as far as the league goes. We are still – so many people are in this mindset that you have to establish the run first because that's what sets up play action, and you have to to you know make sure your ground game is effective so that it sets up the pass, right? No, that was John and Gruden in 2002. Not true. Yeah, that was, that was Gruden. It's not true. That was Gruden 20 there, years ago. <laughs> there's so much data that, that points to the fact that those things are just myths in, the, in today's NFL. There is no correlation – 
again, there's been exhaustive research on this front with people way smarter than I am that have proved that you just don't have to run the ball effectively, not even to set up the pass, but even to set up play action. You do not have to run the ball well for play action to work. It's not true. It's an absolute myth. And people need to, teams in particular, need to stop pretending that that's what they have to do in order to be effective with the pass. And I think the way the Bucks are going to win this game is, is turning that philosophy on its head because you can, you can have, I think when people, one of the things people think of when they think of, you know, how do you stop a guy like Patrick Mahomes in an offense that, like you said, can, can score so quickly, can, can score at the drop of a hat, you're thinking long, sustained drives, right? you got to keep the ball, you got to keep the clock running, and, and give them fewer possessions, right? So obviously people think, well, that means I need to run the ball a lot. No, it just means you need to hold on to the ball. It means you need to move the chains and you move the chains by throwing the ball in my opinion just like that first drive against green bay just like that. exactly man so what i would love to see the bucks do and again they've they've been kind of inconsistent in this in terms of play calling so far this season we've seen some great stretches from byron leftwich in this regard we've seen some other stretches where you're like man i really wish they'd stay aggressive but I would much rather see them instead of running for three or four yards on first down and setting up a second and six where they want to throw the ball to sustain your drives, right? I would love to see them throwing quick passes on first down to set up second and two, second and one, because now as a play caller, I can run the ball if I want, and I'm probably going to get a first down. But if I don't, I can probably run it again on third down if I got a yard or I, you know, both second and third and short, I have the whole playbook and the defense has to be on their heels. If I come out aggressive on first down and pick up seven, eight, nine yards, now I can sit, you know, if I get that first down in two plays, now I can settle down a little bit and I can keep doing that and move the chains. You do not have to just hand the ball off over and over and over again to keep the clock moving. And I think a a great example of that was, when the when the the Bucks needed a couple first downs to, to finish the Packers a couple weeks ago, what's the first play they ran? They did not run the ball. They threw the ball to Mike Evans on a quick like curl route, mm-hmm. and he got nine yards on that first down, which was huge because it, it immediately put the Packers on their heels. They had to jump off sides on purpose, basically, because of the way the timing worked to try to get another chance to use a timeout. Still don't know why the Bucks didn't decline that penalty, by the way. Agreed, but, agreed. Uh, Mistake. Yeah, kind of a miss there on, on Bruce's part, I think. But, but that's the kind of mentality that you have to have. You do not have to run the ball too much to, to run the clock and sustain those drives. They need to be aggressive on first down. They need to throw the ball, set up those second and shorts so that you can run if you need to. That's what sets up play action is putting your team in situations where they have to defend the run. And, and then when you hit them with the play action pass, they, they, they can't be ready for everything. So, again, you don't have to be conservative to play that sort of ball control offense to keep the ball away from Mahomes. I, I definitely think there's a way to be aggressive through the air and still hold on to the ball longer. Uh, I love that. I mean, this is why you brought Tom Brady to Tampa Bay. Now, they might have been ahead of schedule, Luke. I don't know if everyone thought, hey, we're going to the Super Bowl the first week, the first year. No way, year. man. I think everybody thought next year. Yeah, I think exactly. everybody was like, we'll, we'll go to the playoffs this year. But next year is when it really happens. And obviously, this is pretty advantageous because the Bucs are going to have some tough decisions to make in terms of free agency and the salary cap and some of the key sure. guys that they have to keep together. Yep. This is a really good problem for them to have <laughs> to have done this this year before they have to make some of those decisions. It's the best. This is why you brought him here you, you, to eventually get to this moment. You're going to sit there and you're going to hand it to Leonard Fournette? I don't think so. I think this is going to be a big Brady game. And look, just look out for Tyrone Matthew, the honey badger. Look out for him. 
And really, this is a gettable chief secondary if you can handle the, the front, right? I mean, they got a lot of pressure on Josh Allen last week without blitzing, and that's kind of a formula against Brady. So if they can keep Brady clean, I think this is a gettable chief secondary. Watch out for Matthew, but they're middle of the pack against the pass. Brady put up you know over 300 yards against them earlier this year. I, I, I love everything you just said, Luke. I think that's exactly what they're going to do. And I, I don't think they're going to come out here and play conservative. I just don't. There's no freaking They're playing chance. at home, oh, Ryan. It's the home Super Bowl. There's if you're not going to do it chance. now, I'm right. literally Dan Fouts in the water boy. Like, <laughs> don't hold anything back. That's literally my line right now. I'm just going to keep saying that over and over. They did not come here, like you said, to play ball control and, and, and run no. the ball 40 times. They're going to chuck it all over the yard. Let's go. And if they're going to go down, they're going to go down swinging. Let's go. Come on. So just like last year, this line kind of opened that Chiefs 49ers game last year. That line kind of stuck at one and a half. Chiefs were the favorites, and it really didn't move. And we're seeing something very similar with this one. So Luke and I will get into the spread. We'll make our picks. We'll talk about the sports betting angles a little bit. But first, here's some advice from the Sportsbook Wire. We'll be right back. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Super Bowl 55 is here with the Kansas City Chiefs favored by three and a half points against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. I'm Esther McLaren of SportsbookWire.com, joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. We're breaking down the betting angles for this game. Jeff, anyway, you're betting against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. No way. I'm going to roll with the Chiefs to win their second straight Super Bowl and even cover the three and a half point line. Uh, what's been under discussed is how one-sided the first Chiefs Bucks game was in week 12. Bucks covered the three and a half point line, but Patrick Mahomes threw for the second most passing yards he has ever in a game, and Tyreek Hill set a personal record for most receiving yards in a game. Buccaneers backdoor covered, scored 14 points in the fourth quarter, but Chiefs are going to keep their foot on the gas and blow them out in this game. Yeah, that was absolutely a backdoor cover. The Bucks had no business being in that game at all. They weren't for the vast majority of it. We see the same thing again this Sunday in Super Bowl 55. Back the Chiefs to win by at least four points. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Patrick, when we talked to, to Tom Brady last week, actually, he had mentioned that you know, Super Bowl experience isn't what matters. It's it's who plays well for those four quarters, right? So I wonder if you, you know, you agree with that, but also if whether it's his, you know, longevity in terms of experience in the Super Bowl or your own, having just played on this stage last year, if you do think there is an advantage that can influence your execution and your ability to play well for those four quarters because of that experience. Yeah, I mean, I think uh... – I mean, once you once you played in one big game, uh, you understand what it's like. Um, and then then after that, it's all about just going out there and executing and and finding ways to win. Um, every single football game is different. You never know what to expect, but you try to make sure you're prepared for as many situations as possible. Um, and so, uh, 
Um, it's going to be a great game. I'm excited for it, um, and I'm excited for whatever it entails. Just another day at the office for Luke talking to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. The Chiefs are three-point favorites in this game, Luke. And like I said, much like last year's game, this game is not – the spread has not moved. Uh, last year, the Chiefs were a point-and-a-half favorite against the 49ers. It really didn't move at all. And this game is not moving at all. And, and that tells me that – People don't really know what to pick, right? There's money coming in on both sides. Vegas is very happy with that. That's what they want. And this line isn't really budging. I'd be surprised if it moves more than a half a point either way. And for all the reasons we kind of talked about, I kind of like the Bucks. That if you're giving me three points with Tom Brady at Raymond James Stadium, I kind of like the three points. Uh, what, what's your uh, opening reaction, Luke, your gut reaction to the spread? Bucks plus three in this one. Well, I mean, the, my gut reaction is that's what it has to be, right? Sure. I mean, yes. the, you know, all the, the, the sensible, you know, conventional wisdom says the Chiefs are going to win this game. Obviously, they're, you know, the defending champions. You know, the Bucks have the GOAT, but they, you know, the Chiefs have the best quarterback right now in a vacuum, I think, in, in Patrick Mahomes at 25 years old. What he can do is just a little bit different than what Brady can do, obviously. They're just very different skill sets, but it's hard to pick against them at that point. That's where the smart money has to be, I feel like, but no risk it, no biscuit, baby. We didn't come here for smart money and conventional wisdom. We, we came didn't come here, here to, to pick the Chiefs. We didn't come here to exactly. pick the Chiefs. Exactly. We did not do that. So I did not, you know, picking – I have predicted the Bucks to win every playoff game so far, and, and every time they win another one, why would it not do anything but embolden me to pick them again? So I'm, I'm definitely going to pick the Bucks. I'm going to ride with them here again. I, I love the mentality of this team, and if you're going to – you know, I don't care who's across the field. I don't care what – quarterback in in their prime from the history of the the nfl annals you can put on the other side of tom brady if you're telling me four quarters for the super bowl especially at home are you kidding me for the first time ever you're telling me he's not going to have his guys ready to play he's not going to be locked in and he's not going to go out and have the game of his life with the super bowl on the line give me tom brady and the bucks all day long i agree with you luke i think the combination of arians and his mentality and his coaching philosophy and brady I just think that's the combination to go up against the Chiefs and beat this team. The Chiefs are really freaking good. And if we're not careful, they, they might go and win a bunch of these Super Bowls here. <laughs> they might challenge my Patriots here, might challenge the dynasty. So we got to be careful there. But I just think this is the coach, this is the quarterback, this is the combo that has a chance to knock off the Chiefs. I mean, I think we saw last week, it ain't the Packers yet. They're not there yet. Their coach isn't there. No. He, situationally, oh, man, they, they had some gas in that game against the Bucs, no doubt. This is the coach. This is the quarterback, man. And and here's you know how I would break it down. You got, obviously, everybody's going to come and bring the popcorn for the quarterback battle. And I think, I think honestly, Mahomes is going to eat. Tom's, Tom's going to eat. They're going to get theirs. It's going to be a fun game, and, and they're going to make their plays. So it comes down to somewhere else for me. I think both of these quarterbacks are going to live up to the billing. I think they're going to make the plays that we expect from them. It's going to be the other guys. It's going to be the other plays. Even look on both of the offenses. You know, yes, the you know the Chiefs have the explosiveness of Tyreek Hill. They've got the versatility and the you know kind of uncoverableness of a guy like Travis Kelsey. Look at what the Bucks have to, too, though. I mean, they've got Mike Evans, a red zone nightmare, chain moving nightmare, a guy that just can't be covered by anybody, no matter who, how big they are, how athletic they are. You got Chris Godwin, who's one of the most complete wide receivers in the game, can move everywhere and catch the ball at every level of the field. 
even if Antonio Brown doesn't play in this game, we've talked so much about Scotty Miller and what he does for this offense and being able to stretch the field. Tyler Johnson as a rookie has had some clutch catches this year. He's gonna be oh awesome. yeah, you got Gronk and Cameron Bray <laughs> yeah, as your yeah. starting tight ends and, and they can make a play at any given moment. Had a couple of big catches uh, in that Packers game. And honestly, look at the units. If you compare all of them, Tell me which offensive line is going to do better between the Bucks and the Chiefs, and I think that's obvious. I think even without the injuries to Kansas City's offensive line, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had one of the best offensive lines all year long, maybe the most underrated in the league. And when you look at the defenses, who has the defense that can make the one or two plays against these elite quarterbacks that are going to make the difference in this game? And while, yes, I have so much respect for Tyron Matthew, and he is the kind of – player who can take over a game reminds me a lot of how Rondé Barber was used in the Bucks glory days back in the, the late 90s early 2000s he can make plays like that but I think the Bucks have more of those playmakers at every level of the defense instead of just kind of having that one guy that needs to make them all and that's where I think the difference is made in this game I think Brady makes his plays Mahomes makes his plays the offenses will make enough of them but it's going to come down to which offensive line can protect more consistently. And I think the Bucks will do that. And which defense is more complete at every level and has more of those playmakers at every level. And I think you have to give the nod to the Bucks there as well. I haven't even brought up Todd Bowles' name. <laughs> but again, while I have respect for That's Steve Spagnuolo, Steve Spagnuolo has actually had great success against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. But no, Todd don't Bowles, remind me of that, Luke. What are you doing? To trust me? me. I know. I know. And trust me, just oh, throwing no. this in here. The, oh. best, the best part of media week so far this week has been O.C. Umanyora's just <laughs> dropping into every press conference and asking questions that just make everybody roll on the floor laughing. And him talking to Tom Brady. And <laughs> I JPP saw that. Brady loved it. Brady loved absolutely it. Absolutely priceless, man. That's been so much fun. But. Todd Bowles could be the real key in this game, man, because he has got the defense. He's got the players that can execute his very complex, very aggressive defense the way it needs to be executed. And I think that is the reason, again, the offensive line, the ability to protect Brady or Mahomes, and these two defenses matched up against one another. I think when you give the Bucks the nod in both of those departments, I think that's what makes the difference in this game. I think the Bucks have the better defense on paper, Luke, like you said, and I also think they're the hotter defense right now. So, yeah, I, I like them on that side of the football. And usually I, I do, admittedly so, uh, you know, I come on here like a crazy fan. I have my TB12 hat on. I do right now. And, and that's kind of the perspective I come to this podcast with, Luke, right? And then you kind of, you, you bring, you're the voice of reason and I'm the irrational fan. Uh, well, I actually have stats today to back up why I like the Bucks at plus three. Now, the Chiefs, Although they were 14 and 2 in the regular season, from week 9 on, they went just 1 and 9 against the spread. They've actually Here's their margins of victory, Luke. 2, 4, 3, 6, 6, 3, and 3. Before they rested all their starters in week 17, they didn't cover against the Browns. I know Patrick Mahomes got hurt in that game, but you know, that doesn't help my take, so I'm going to I'm just going to pretend that he yeah, full we'll leave it out. Yeah. Jim Carrey, it's and devastating to my case. Yes. They covered against the Bills. They finally broke a nine-game streak of not covering the spread, not blowing out a team, right? Because they're always favored in every game. But they haven't been blowing teams out, and and that's a thing. So there it is. The Chiefs, they really haven't been covering spreads lately. So that makes me like the Bucks at plus three even more. I kind of like them on the money line, too, at plus 148. Uh, but the over-under is another question I wanted to really get to, Luke. It, so people can take that little, that little nugget. If you want to take that to the to the sports book, go ahead. Yeah, I don't even need the credit. Go ahead. Go ahead and bet the bucks at plus three. Uh, but the over under is at fifty six. And my thought is, 
Would a lower scoring game actually favor the Bucks? And I think it's actually just the opposite. I think a lower scoring game like the first meeting, 21-24, something like that, actually favors the Chiefs. I would rather I'd rather see a lightning show, man. If it turns into it like a sh- a shootout in the fourth quarter, touchdown for touchdown, I think the Bucks have a better chance winning that kind of game than a 21-17 thing, Luke. But I don't know what you think about the over under at 56. You know, I mean, off the top of my head, the over-under is not, it was never going to be enough for me. I, I feel like no matter what that number was, I would be like, yep, too too low. Yeah. Too low. Give me give me whatever the over is. And that's how I feel here. If you're talking about 56, 28 each, I think it's going to take more than 28 points to win this game. Um, and I think that, I don't know if I agree with you that, that a, a lower scoring game favors one team or the other. I don't know that it matters what the score is in the fourth quarter if it's within a score, if it's a close game, whether it's 38 to 34 or whether it's 24 to 21, I don't know if that will matter as much as the fact that the, that the Bucks have been the best defense in the NFL this season in the fourth quarter. Good if you point. go back and yep. look at the numbers, they have come up with whatever they've given up in the first half, whatever they've given up in three quarters, they have found a way to make the plays, make the turnovers, and make the stops. And go back to the Green Bay game is all you need to do to go back and look at Tom Brady throwing three interceptions in that second half and the Packers getting six points out of that. Again, we talked about it last week. They forced two three and outs on two of those three interceptions and really was the difference in that game, keeping Aaron Rodgers from turning those turnovers into points. And I think that's what it comes down to. If you look at the way the Bucks defense has played in the fourth quarter, I don't care how many points have been scored up to that point. If this is a one-score game in the fourth quarter, I think the Bucks are the, are the defense that I trust to make the plays necessary to either close out a lead or give the ball back to Tom Brady and give him that chance to mount that game-winning drive that we've seen from him so many times before. And again, just another reason why I like the Bucks here. I, I agree. I don't see them getting blown out. I know they've gotten blown out this year by other teams, and the Chiefs got up a big lead in that first meeting in Week 12. But I think this is a different Bucks team. I think they're ready. I don't see. I know the Chiefs are that team that can get away from you, but I don't see them. I don't see this being a track meet on one side where the Chiefs are are rolling up a twenty something point lead. You know, late in that second half, I just. I have a feeling the Bucks are going to hang with them, and, and that's another reason to like them. And, and as I said earlier, I just think this Chiefs team, I don't want to say they're a smoke and mirrors kind of team, but they just, they're just they a team that's got some really, really good players, and they tend to bail themselves out of situations. I just said you know their margin of victory over the last nine weeks or so, not all that impressive. They're, they're a team that's they're imperfect in a lot of ways, but they're so freaking talented, Luke. They can kind of bail out poor coaching decisions, bad situational football because – you got Patrick Mahomes at the end of the game, and like against the Bucks when they were coming back, they can run out the final what ten minutes of the game to end the ball game, right? I mean, they're, they're this, they're that team. They're closers. They know how to close. So can the Bucks match them in that fourth quarter and find a way to close the game? Because that's going to be the hardest part. Even if you're winning in the fourth quarter, ask Jimmy Garoppolo in the 49ers last year. Even if you're winning, that Chiefs team just knows how to put the nail in the coffin, man. They, they do it better than. Even my Patriots, I got to tell you, that they're just like, they, they're blood in the water in that fourth quarter. The Chiefs can close a ball game. So can the Bucks figure out how to finish the deal if it's close in the fourth quarter? I'm really going to be looking forward to seeing what happens there. And that's what we're all hoping for, right? We want, we want this to live up to the billing, and, and no matter what the, the total score is, I think if this is a one-score game going to go into the fourth quarter, I think that's what everybody came to see, right? We, we want to see this game. I think that's the case anytime there's a Super Bowl or a big game, right? You, you don't really want to blow out either way. Obviously, I would love a Bucks blowout. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'll take it. But otherwise, everybody wants to see a close competitive game. Everybody wants to see the ball 
switching hands between Brady and Mahomes in the final, you know, eight to ten minutes. Who's going to get that last drive? Who's going to make the play? You know that that wins the Super Bowl, and and who's going to be the MVP? Who's going to come up with that clutch moment? Um, I hope it lives up to everything. Again, wouldn't mind a Bucks blowout. It's not what I expect. Uh, I think we're going to get a really close competitive game. Maybe it is a shootout. The talent is definitely there to make it happen. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, I, I think that everything, every there's every reason to believe that the Bucks aren't just going to you know <laughs> beat the the spread. But they, I think that they just they've got it, man. They they're feeling it. The all the stars that aligned for all of this to happen and, and to be able to do it in your home stadium, I just it's, it's too easy. It's too much of a storybook uh, situation for me to do anything but but pick them. Yeah, just to summarize, Luke and I are picking the Bucks. I'm, I'm <laughs> picking the Bucks. I'm picking my guy Tom Brady. You think I'm picking against Tom Brady, Luke? Come on, no, uh, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't dream of it. No, no, I am picking Tom Brady. And now I just you know I, as I let you go, and we'll be back next week to either talk about a Super Bowl championship or or a crushing loss. Let's. There's not going to be any good loss here. No moral victory. Uh, the Bucks are in the Super Bowl again, and and you know I know what we're all hoping for next week when we get back on here. But uh, I, I just don't know how you're gonna like how you're gonna get through the next few days, Luke, as a, as a diehard Bucks fan. Like, good luck to you, man. I, I know you're already fired up. It's Tuesday night, and you got you got a, a few more days of this build up. And I just know, man, on Sunday you're gonna be. You're going to be like running around your living room like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how you're going to get through the rest of this week, but best of luck to you. Yeah, well, I mean, I tell you, you know, I mentioned earlier that I've got coffee at 6 o'clock. <laughs> Probably by Thursday, it'll be something a bit stronger than that. Um, maybe even just in the coffee. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see how, I, how how well I do once we get to Thursday or Friday. But, man, I, I again, you never know when this is going to happen again. We've heard it from every Bucks player imaginable this week. Um, and as a fan, it's the same thing. You know, it's just something that every fan base, I think, deserves to feel at some point. Obviously, it you know brings back feelings of, of when it happened again in 2002, 2003, and, and experiencing that as a fan. It's going to be a very different experience this time around. You know, like I said, compartmentalizing the fan and, and, and the journalist here. But I'm, I'm up for the challenge. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. And again, you know, being able to experience that with my family, my kids running around and watching the game and having a good time. There's... It's just that, that's priceless to me, and I can't wait. Yeah, it's a it's a tough work weekend for you, Luke. Uh, I hope you can I hope you survive. So, uh, yeah, anyway. woe is me, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. oh, how how yeah, difficult gotta, it shall be. You got a tough job, my friend. So, hey, everyone, thanks for hanging on with us. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the Super Bowl, Bucks Chiefs. How awesome is that? Luke and I will be back next week to break it all down. We'll talk to you then. USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, 
freep.com or wherever you get your podcasts.